welcome to the F1 Strategy Report for Apex Race Manager, the mobile management simulator. On this week's edition, the British Grand Prix, we consider the similarities between holidaying in Greece and driving a Formula One car. And how did Valtteri Bottas end Vettel's race before it had even begun? That's all to come in this edition of the Strategy Report. My name's Michael Laminado, and again, after the British Grand Prix, I'm in a pub because it seems very natural, and who doesn't like being in pubs? I'm joined, though, by a man who makes it all the more pleasurable to be here. His name's Zach Priest. He's from Superlicense Podcast. How are you? Arthur, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, I mean, it's my chosen venue, nice and close <laughs> to my house. Yeah. I picked the spot. It's my, you know, essentially home race weekend, so I picked yeah. the venue. Mm-hmm. Um, paid for by Formula One management, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> uh, you'll be taking care of all the food that we do yeah, in here. Yeah, all the hospitality, all the beers are on yes. me. So this is live broadcast, right? People can come down. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just uh, <laughs> tweeting with the hashtag strategy report F1. And that's not go. even our hashtag. <laughs> You'll just have to go and find us on Twitter and figure out what it is. There's no regular hashtag. We'll work on that. But British Grand Prix, it is, you know, for many people, the highlight of the year, I suppose. It's one of the four or five classic races of the season mm-hmm. at a classic Silverstone circuit, which might not be hosting the race in two or three years' time, but we can, don't have to worry about that. I want to go back even all the way back to Wednesday, which was the setup for the race. We had F1 live London, mm. live colon London, not the other way around. Uh, conspicuous for the fact that, I think as Liberty Media said, great response from all teams and 19 of the drivers. The one driver not giving a great response was home hero Lewis Hamilton, which was controversial. Uh, I guess what's interesting about this, though, is that Hamilton seems to almost thrive off the controversy he kind of creates because in this situation, he didn't seem to really be affected by it, does it? It's sort of in his character. No, it's almost... I wouldn't say it was an expectation, but if I knew nothing about this and mm-hmm. you told me a few weeks later that it was like, oh, you know, they had that thing and Lewis didn't go, I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, that sounds about right. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, he had other things to do. He was probably yeah, yeah. hanging out with whoever on some mm-hmm. beach somewhere yeah. he's entitled to a holiday his family are here they're all of these excuses that he had mm-hmm. uh, but this seemed like an extraordinary event yes. there's the kind of thing that you change plans now mm-hmm. I mean there was they, as people in the public like me only mm-hmm. found out 48 hours before it happened yes. how do we know, have any idea of how early the drivers and teams knew about the event I'm not sure how early they knew but they definitely had plenty of warning they yeah. knew this was happening which is interesting because I think uh, James Allen was saying this week that maybe it would have been better if he'd mentioned beforehand that he wouldn't be going. You yeah. manage expectations, you know. Don't wait for Toto Wolff to be asked on stage, <laughs> where's Lewis? Where's exactly. your star driver? Oh, he's yeah. not here. And then everyone boos him, which is yeah. not ideal. It's, it's, it reminds me of, you know, uh, Premier League teams fly out to other countries yeah. to do you know, these big you know, sort of exhibition matches. Mm-hmm. Arsenal's out in Sydney and now they're in Shanghai this yeah. weekend or this week. And they announce who's going on these tours. Yeah, exactly. So you're not going to a game and being like, oh, I hope I see Sanchez. Oh, and it's then the he's. Well, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you kind of, you know, they take some stars and they take some ringers and they yeah. kind of trade everybody through the team and you hope to see the mm-hmm. people that you really love. But you know, kind of before things happen, if you're going to see the person that you love. Yeah. And there would have been huge amounts of people who would have turned up to this event expecting to see their hero. Absolutely. And he's the kind of guy who thrives off that kind of hero presence. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the radio at the end of the race this weekend, he's like, I hear Absolutely. you out there, I see you all out there kind of freakishly you know turn yeah. around and I'm behind you <laughs> I'm Lewis Hamilton you're a fan of mine and I'm a fan of you um, so it, it just seemed 
you're right, it's kind of in character, but also mm. just seemed like a huge missed opportunity for him. Yeah. Somewhat maybe because maybe he didn't want to share the spotlight with everybody Possibly, else. Possibly, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of rumours and stories about what kind of power play was behind this. Was it about him not wanting to do publicity days? Yeah. Was it about him trying to suggest that he's as big as the sport, of equal preference and opportunity? I am the sport. Exactly right. So he went to Mykonos instead of London, which, you know, <laughs> sure, it might be nicer than London, but, you know... I don't even know. I've not been. So. Uh, I don't know if it's nicer than London. It's coming. It's going through. I was literally talking about this yesterday because I was in Albania oh, yes. just as he was uh, somewhat nearby, mm. very close to Greece. And uh, I was like, oh, maybe he's somewhat, maybe he's yeah. nearby. Maybe I could pop in and say hi if he doesn't yeah. want to hang out with the London people. Maybe we'll bring the London people to him. <laughs> <laughs> we flew 100,000 fans down to Mykonos just to see how he would react. It's the kind of thing I feel like he'd want to make up for now anyway. Mm. Like, did you... Like, there were... A, a, the extra fan presence that he gave this weekend, mm-hmm. the crowd surfing whilst the Finns are waiting in the, yes. in the media room. Everyone enjoyed for the, that, oh, except I mean, for them, probably. Well, I, it's, they had nothing to talk about, of course, because they were finished. So <laughs> yes. they just they finished politely, the <laughs> they politely ignore each other. It's kind of, I'm sure that was fine. But, yeah, it just it seems like a massive opportunity that has just gone begging mm-hmm. for not just him. And this is maybe the frustrating thing if I was at Mercedes, to say, well, look, he's, he's our biggest asset right now. I'm surprised that Mercedes didn't push a little harder and say, just an afternoon, mate. Mm-hmm. The afternoon before you have to be on the track anyway. Yeah, yeah. Why not come down? Yeah. I suspect in the future when these events are on, because we reckon there'll be maybe as many as five or so a year, someone will be, let's say, twisting his arm to make sure he's there. Yeah. But what I thought was interesting was that he's excuse given, and he stood by this uh, steadfastly. So you know, why not say that it's true? It must be if he's doing it, he's saying it, right? Is that this was about his preparation. We know he's got a pretty unique preparation style it's not so much about being in the simulator it's more about uh, relaxing we'll say if anyone saw the video on twitter it'll be very relaxing <laughs> uh, but given the result of this weekend qualified on pole by margin won by a margin set the fastest lap i guess we can't really doubt that his preparation works like he thrives on not only the preparation but i guess being able to prove people wrong yeah there is a bit of that isn't there that there's very much a uh, i'm out here to make a statement every mm. single race and it's almost I mean, he loves leading from the front, but I wouldn't say... I mean, every Formula 1 driver does. So, But now he's in this... There's a really interesting narrative to this season. And I think he would he kind of would probably relish the idea that mm-hmm. he's trying to prove himself every race weekend. Yeah. And he is the star of his team right now. Uh, and, you know, unequivocally the star of Formula 1, uh, regardless of how that makes you feel. Mm-hmm. And he would be looking at every race weekend and every minute of every bit of practice, qualifying, race, mm-hmm. saying, this is another opportunity for me to really own this space yeah yeah and I I, I I don't doubt him when he says he hopes there's battles and fights and mm. you know he hopes that Bottas gets better and, and continues to challenge because he, he, the more story about Formula 1 the better for him yeah I think so he thrives on having that narrative he's always said it and I guess he is proving everyone who doubted him wrong in that sense yeah, so. every record every yeah. pole position every fastest mm-hmm. lap is another thing that he can say I proved yeah. my doubt was wrong I proved yeah. myself again against the mm-hmm. titans of the sport Yeah, and he currently has some titans of the sport racing near him so Absolutely. every opportunity to do anything to beat them and show them up mm-hmm. except the press events is <laughs> what he wants to do yeah he chose a good weekend to do it as well because this proved quite momentous in the championship as we will detail I mean the tides completely turned partly that's down to him obviously winning the Grand Prix also down to tyres which we'll get to uh, later on but to set up the qualifying performance and how this race got underway we had the same penalty that Hamilton took in Austria the five place grid pe- uh, gearbox grid penalty being applied to Valtteri Bottas exactly the same problem as well and this sort of goes to Mercedes pushing every element to the limit in the 
effort to find extra performance against Ferrari. That set up a comeback drive for Bottas, but also Daniel Ricciardo took at first that penalty and then more penalties when his car broke down in qualifying after he topped the time sheets in the wet as well. It could have been a great qualifying for him. Oh, yeah. He was in a position where as soon as it happened, like I had just turned into, tuned into qualifying, which is kind of like, oh, what? I don't, wait, what? No, he's just not set up. Oh, no, and he's done. (laughs) And, you know, everybody was sort of saying that, well, this is, he's great in these conditions. You know, he'll fight Mm -hmm. from the back and he could find himself in the points. I was like, probably a little bit more than the points. And then he'll find himself on a podium. Maybe not a podium. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, there's every opportunity for him to do something here. But it feels like it's been a while since we've seen him fight from the back. And these, I'm sure he's ha- he seemed happy with this weekend, considering mm-hmm. the circumstances. Uh, like we were talking about Lewis before, he like he relishes the opportunity to prove himself as well, mm-hmm. especially when he doesn't feel like his team's in race-winning positions, at least from mm-hmm. a performance point of view, from a strategy point of view. Yes, yeah. but uh, it's it's so early in the season to see these kinds of penalties kind of yeah, as often right. as we are seeing them. Yeah. This, I, we don't want a championship decided by <laughs> weird penalties in the last sort of four races. I mean, mm. these four PUs and the sheer amount of gearboxes they're having mm. to change and use, is, have we maybe hit the threshold now? Well, he has used his fifth uh, MGU-H, one of the electrical components the of the power unit. Yes, as it's more common. Not the McGurk. No, no, you don't want to confuse them. I mean, it's, it's easy to do, <laughs> but you don't want to. Uh, you talk about the reliability of cars, it's likewise for Sebastian Vettel, who hasn't taken any power unit penalties yet, but... I think it's his turbocharger that he's up to number four at this point. Yeah. So inevitably that's going to start hurting him. Mercedes has had power unit troubles in the past. That could come into play. But it is weird that in the fourth year of these power units, it seems to be proving most brittle. Like in the first year, we thought, oh, they'll get to Australia. They'll all blow up on the grid. And then what will we do? How do we decide who won? But it seems to be happening now in year four. Yeah. And I guess, again, it comes down to them all pushing for those extra tenths of performance. The low-hanging fruit is gone. Yeah. But we are facing a situation only ten rounds in where... The sort of reliability is going to play a part in the title. Yeah, I feel like there's probably more variables than because they're pushing everything kind of to the nth degree and right to the edge. The sheer amount of different tyre strategies, you've got different, you know, there's just so many moving parts that you can't miss Formula 1. There's lots of moving parts, (laughs) actually. But um, the chance of something small going on one thing and swapping out a slightly older part just to keep things going and then that part going and Mm. breaking. And there's there's just so many things going on at this point where I don't think we'll get to the end of the season where uh, everybody, somebody's going to make it clear without any penalties. There's just too many things going on. Unless... You know, we, we get to the point, I wonder if we'll see it again, where someone like Lewis or Sebastian mm. just goes, well, we weren't going to win this race anyway, let's take all the penalties possible, yeah. basically build a new car and see if we can mm. get this car to the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. the McLaren Honda twice a season kind of situation. Yes, I was going to say, the Fernando Alonso <laughs> method. You know, every second race, take a lot of penalties. Just do everything. And the next race, you might score a point, and it's, it's good like that. And we look at Ricardo and Bottas, what was interesting. Ricardo started a lot further back. They both had space to make up after qualifying obviously from their grid spots but took two very different approaches now Valtteri Bottas in Q2 qualified on the soft tyre mm-hmm. which is what Hamilton also did in Austria with the same penalty Ricardo chose he had free choice obviously being at the back to start on the super soft tyre which didn't last as long it was more delicate although all the tyres lasted fairly long in this race as is sort of the way Pirellis are working this season These so days, far yeah, yeah. But two very different effects, two very different reasons, as we'll find out. I want to get to them in a minute, though, because what really set up the entire race was the very start. Now, 
what I thought was going to be very exciting about this race but didn't ultimately happen wasn't the rain, it was the fact that Hamilton was in front and the two Ferraris qualified right behind them, which is like a strategic advantage. We saw it in Monaco, Red Bull double-teaming Bottas, and one of them got ahead. Yeah. Because inevitably one of them can out-strategize the other. But Verstappen ruined it all for Ferrari. He jumped Vettel, and Vettel couldn't get him back. No, and it was it just seemed impossible. Like, I mean, mm. Verstappen is always a threat off the line. Like, he's yes. always going to find a gap. He's going to push a little harder, to the, much to the chagrin of, of Vettel and, and Hamilton, Bottas. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Raikkonen complains, but he complains about everything. <laughs> but at least he complains in short bursts. Yes. So uh, the fact that uh, it was Verstappen was always going to be able to do something, mm-hmm. but Vettel chasing behind for that long, I just thought at some point on one of the straights that that Vettel would be able to just blow past, yeah. much like we saw Bottas doing basically on everybody that he came mm-hmm. up against. Even Ricardo was doing that on drivers. So the fact that Ferraris, with as you said, upgrades this weekend. Mm-hmm didn't quite have the pace just to push past Verstappen yes. and look Verstappen puts great defensive moves in like yep. you watch the onboard camera from Vettel and Verstappen's just kind of making his car you know three yeah. car widths wide and just seemed to be predicting where Vettel was going to go mm-hmm. it was incredibly upsetting for Vettel and <laughs> Ferrari and we just they just don't have the strategy to be like after the first couple of times maybe they should have just changed strategy and brought him mm-hmm. in earlier or tried to force something different mm-hmm. but because Verstappen and, and Red Bull just kind of knew that track position was the only way they were going to get anything yeah. out of this race they just kept him out they just said we'll just keep Verstappen out and see what happens mm. it kind of goes to show as well yes Verstappen's defensive drive was great but it does emphasise the Renault power unit is not as slow as perhaps people want to not give it credit for I suppose yeah. it is performance in there and of course the driving from Verstappen it's ironic that we seem to see Vettel getting into scraps with everyone except Hamilton though the one oh. guy you kind of want him to this season yeah I feel like we're watching two separate seasons and this is yeah. always I mean this happened all through Hamilton and Rosberg's battles mm-hmm. like, very rarely did we see yeah. them actually fighting and when we did they're always on conscious strategies someone's yeah. faster than the other and you get a crash inevitably mm-hmm. what we want is like like the Verstappen and Vettel yeah. battle on track where they're both right on the limit finding yes. the edges of the tracks going off the track but both kind of going off the track yeah, yeah. no real controversies there and kind of you know, gleefully but kind of just the gleeful disdain for each other if mm-hmm. that's even a thing yeah. we just want to I just want to see that between Vettel and mm-hmm. Hamilton but it, it's too often that we're just getting someone skip off down the road and somebody else just kind of trying to get second or third mm-hmm. on the grid so now the impact of all of this it took 19 laps for Vettel to pit and that was earlier than he anticipated doing uh, but he got the undercut on him because he had not only a, a good in lap a faster pit stop but a phenomenal outlap compared yeah. to Verstappen it was, so. it was a personal best wasn't it something like yeah, that exactly. yeah exactly so at that point of the race on new soft tyres he blitzed it and ended up ahead of Verstappen who had a slightly delayed pit stop but yeah, about 1.2 seconds yeah exactly like but all of the difference or most of the difference came into the outlap and he got ahead but all of that time just to emphasise how much faster Mercedes was he was losing essentially one second a lap to Hamilton so he was yeah. about 18 seconds down by the time he stopped his race was over in terms of challenging for the lead. It all happened behind Verstappen. So it was not ever Hamilton that was going to lose in the race. It turned out to be this Red Bull racing car. Yeah, just out of the blue. And this is exactly the kind of... This is why we want to see more parity at the top of the grid. Yes. It's because you don't really want to see someone getting stuck behind as the reason mm-hmm. why someone's race is kind of broken and yeah. prevents us from getting the show at the front. You would have preferred Verstappen to get up the road and go and chase Raikkonen mm-hmm. and then you know be able to hold up Bottas at some point as well. Those kinds of changes. But, you know, we'll take it as we as it comes, and it's still worth it seeing Vettel and Verstappen just kind of duke it out. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, that was one of the things that decided the race. The other was, in part, Bottas, because Vettel did stop quite early, uh, and Ferrari and most teams went in 
expecting that the race could be a two-stop because while degradation was low, the loads being put through the cars this year with the new regulations was immense. Pirelli was even surprised. I think five seconds faster per lap in the race, which was the upper limit of what we expected this season, meant that the tyres were being put through phenomenal loads as perhaps what happened at the end of the race with the two tyre failures on the Ferraris. But it meant that because they're on the border, Ferrari gambled on a one-stop because Bottas, starting on the soft tyre, knew he was going to do a one-stop. He was going to take that tyre for as long as possible, then switch to the super soft. And wait for everything in front of him to happen. Absolutely right. right. Whereas if you switch to a two-stop, knowing Bottas was in the same race you were, you risk getting stuck in the kind of traffic Vettel had already become stuck in (laughs) through Verstappen. This would ultimately, at least on the face of things, really cost Vettel because his tyre failed towards the end of the race. Now, we don't know exactly why that is, the time of recording at least, neither did Pirelli because they hadn't said as much, but surely some of that wear played into that. If he hadn't run for quite as long, perhaps it wouldn't have happened. Although there were stints longer than Vettel's on the soft, Ferrari seemed to be wearing their tyres a little bit harder. I mean, Raikkonen's was the other to fail. Yeah, and I wonder if those two drivers are pushing extra mm-hmm. hard. I mean, there is a lot on the line for them this race. They yes. they didn't need any upsets from Red Bull. They you know this was a, this is we're moving into this delicate part of the season where Vettel can't really be dropping points like this anymore. So it was on Raikkonen mm-hmm. to try and. Uh, salvage something from this race yeah. and hopefully even try and clear a path a little bit for Vettel to, to mm-hmm. slot in nicely to uh, this we talk about this with, with Hamilton with you know brake temperatures and how quickly he'll burn through tyres mm-hmm. and he's the kind of racer that would burn through them just as quickly and yeah. you know I would expect Bottas to something have happened to him as well because he was fighting quite quite hard we saw mm-hmm. Ricardo fighting hard as well the fact that it happened to the Ferraris there is there's yeah. something else going wrong and look they Pirelli has said that they're, they're different problems for yes. Raikkonen and, and Vettel. Maybe Vettel had a slight puncture somewhere. Mm. Raikkonen's just kind of delaminated it. He was still yeah. keeping pressure. Yeah, exactly. But the surface came away, yeah. which is a really odd thing. Mm-hmm. But Pirelli are just kind of in the unknowns right now because yeah. the tyres are working really well. And maybe we're back to this cliff scenario, not yeah. just the cliff of immediate performance disappearing, but the tyres just completely disintegrating mm. and disappearing on you yeah uh, yeah. I think it could well be that this race specifically with Vettel having to follow along so much behind Verstappen mm-hmm. is kind of having to fight the whole race that he, yeah. he put his car through through way more than anybody else yeah I think that in terms of the tyres we've talked a lot this season about them being too hard because often they have been just because Pirelli had to guess and of course naturally you're going to get conservative because you don't want tyre failures to happen every other week but what we did see was that cliff kind of coming back Max Verstappen made that at the time unusual pit stop at the very end of the race but simply because his lap times in the last couple of laps just started dropping off because all the wear not degradation just the the tread wearing down through the loads meant that there was no more grip left in those tyres now we don't know if that did affect the Ferrari tyres but we are seeing the tyres didn't struggle to be warmed up this weekend they performed quite well we didn't have suffer from a lack of grip but we did just get that you push and push and push your lap times get better and then they stop getting better and you have to change which is sort of what we want Yeah. yeah it is and it's predictable races where people know when you hear Ted going this is the pit stop windows and yeah, everybody yeah. comes in on those windows and that's just happened mm-hmm. what you miss out on then is the, the races who will like specifically conserve tyres and be mm-hmm. able to get through on a one stop or you know that, that you, know, you, tr- you suddenly change from a two to a three just to change things up and to see mm-hmm. if you can push all race 
we did, you know we start, if if that's the kind of unexpected happenstance that we'll see yeah, yeah. That, that could that's exactly how Valtteri Bottas will end up taking the championship yes. those kinds of things <laughs> just manage it's, it yeah it's, yeah, yeah, yeah it's just it's just uh, we see it with Daniel Ricciardo when he scoops up podiums just mm-hmm. getting to the end of the race consistently yeah. all the time is and this is why they're pitted for Stappen they just they mm. started dropping off and they were like God you see what happened to Kimi yeah, yeah. we don't want that get exactly. him in like yeah. when I was I was watching Wimbledon at the same time as watching <laughs> this race I was like wait why is, is everybody's tyres just going yeah. like just everybody's going to explode it almost seemed like that didn't it yeah, yeah. and Red Bull just they had this they had this time so they did it but yeah. it was yeah it, it looked dicey for those couple of laps yeah now one of the things that did mean Bottas could get to the end on his one stop obviously he knew he was going to do one when Ferrari and even Max Verstappen and most other teams weren't quite prepared for it was that Verstappen and Vettel fight because it meant when he eventually did pit he got all the way up to behind Hamilton without stopping lap 32 could pit into cl- almost clean air just behind Vettel with substantially newer tyres which meant he could pass Vettel and then move up into a position to try and attack Raikkonen which he didn't have to do at the end because Raikkonen's tyre also failed but his management of those tyres uh, with the benefit of that Vettel-Verstappen fight meant could culminate in P2 which I mean, really does go to help on a day where Hamilton was pretty much untouchable. Him stay in the championship, right? Because he's only 26 points behind Vettel now, which was more or less just behind where Hamilton was before going into this weekend. So whilst, you know, he had to, reco- had, had to recover from a low grid spat, his recovery did mean that he almost came out of this race, barring the fact that Vettel didn't score very many points, better than Hamilton in some respects. Yeah, if, you, if, if the penalty's the negative. Yeah. And he was like, well... I'm not, I'm not going to get pole here, and mm-hmm. Hamilton's probably going to win this from pole if he gets pole. Like, the best I could hope for is a podium, and yeah. just to get it so easily in the end, mm-hmm. and to take second just like that. Be, I mean, does he know how to grin? I don't know <laughs> if he can grin, but he'll definitely be smiling as, as, as hard like as he can. <laughs> kind of like doesn't reach his eyes yeah. in, that, in that, you know, kind of grimacy kind of way. Yes. He's the emoji with the flat eyes and the big <laughs> smile. Just kind of like everything's fine. Yeah. When it's, yeah, I suppose it is in his mind. It's good. It's so okay. yeah, he'll he'll take this, and mm. he, he, I'm sure he's at home sitting there like I'm well in the fight here. You know, mm. anything can go wrong. He's beaten Hamilton hands down. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, once this year. So there's you know there's there's options for him. Yeah. On a weekend, Hamilton released his own emojis too. So. Ah, God. Oh, that's that's for a different <laughs> podcast, I think. So that was the way Bottas managed to recover. He used the soft tires, knowing that. He needed the pace towards the end of the race when his fellow frontrunners, who had competitive cars, obviously, uh, wouldn't have that kind of tyre advantage. He was on the super soft, they were on used softs. It worked for him, he managed to pass Vettel. The alternative, though, somehow, was Daniel Ricciardo, who started at the very back on super soft tyres. Really exactly the opposite of Bottas's approach, but he did so knowing... A, that he has a history of being able to manage his tyres. So this is, in that sense, a very classic Ricardo race. But he knew all the cars in front of him were certainly slower than him. So the super soft tyre, in that sense, was the right approach. And then the idea was that he'd be able to stop under the soft tyre, having already passed everybody, and then sort of cruise to the finish. And he executed it perfectly. I mean, this was the drive of the day. Yeah, and it really... uh, They know at Red Bull that there's this gap from Mm -hmm. sort of third team back yes. that there's just there's this big performance gap between mm-hmm. them into the Force Indias Williams and, Re- and um, Toro Rosso's and, and Renault's well mm-hmm. one Renault Renault <laughs> uh, there's this gap and what that means is that yeah they, they, they knew that strategy mm-hmm. from day dot and they were concerned I'm, I'm guessing that if he did go out on the soft to start mm-hmm. the race that if he did happen to 
not have the performance to get past people. He was just going to essentially wear that tyre down, being yes. stuck behind a Fernando Alonso or a Massa or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, a car that he couldn't quite get in the yeah. DRS zone. Not Alonso, obviously, but you know, <laughs> a Force India or something like that. That was going to be yeah, a, yeah. a Mercedes-powered car mm-hmm. you know, that he wasn't going to be able to get by. I mean... If the Toro Rossos hadn't taken each other out, maybe he might have had some concerns getting past them as well. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But he, it was just the idea that he was just going to blitz past everybody, which he started doing. You know, yeah. first few laps, we're sitting there watching just his, yeah, every every 25 seconds, there's mm-hmm. another Ricardo just overtaking somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes off under mm-hmm. the grass and kind of just gets back on and just goes, takes a deep breath, and yeah. just starts again, yeah, and yeah. just starts racing up the field again. Mm-hmm. It never looked in doubt. He he made that car look better than it actually is. I think so, mind. yeah. We've had a lot of situations this year, actually, where drivers seem to be outperforming their machinery. Now, whether that's a function of the regulations becoming more about the drivers being able to throw the car around. I mean, Alonso does it every other week. Oh. Every other week, he says he had the best drive of his entire career. <laughs> Carlos Sainz seems to do it, and now Daniel Ricciardo, I think, has done yeah. it with his performance. Yeah, this is... Uh, I think that that we actually have had Daniel Ricciardo in those that string of podiums. Mm-hmm. The joke has always been he kind of just raced his own race because of that yeah. performance gap. He just kind of gets into a, you know, qualifies fifth, mm-hmm. ends up around there and just kind of goes, oh, well, here I am. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anybody else this yeah, race, yeah. but here I go again. What and happened? <laughs> it's, it, that we haven't really had to see the Red Bull necessarily fight their way through the field this yeah, season. Yeah, this is true. So this is, I mean, mm. the chassis is great. The, the grip he's finding, like he was overtaking in places where people don't generally overtake mm. at Silverstone. And once he'd made the overtakes just where you expect him to go wide on corners out of the, out of the straight he was just mm-hmm. still cutting into the apex basically yeah, yeah. so he, he was on it and yeah. I, I, maybe he did make the car as I said maybe he did make the machinery look a little better than it actually was mm-hmm. but he seems happy yeah he seems like he's in a good space yeah and that's two great recovery drives I mean Azerbaijan a little bit of an asterisk given most people crashed in front of him and he skirted around all the danger <laughs> this was really just I have to overtake he had to everybody. skirt around a little bit of danger at yeah. the beginning oh, to that's get right, true yeah, yeah, he skirted well around it yeah. for a little while he was the danger so. <laughs> but it worked out fantastically for him and it does remind us of those tyre saving qualities he did have certainly the start of his Red Bull career where I suppose the tyres were more delicate and talking about overtaking once he did make that stop he couldn't quite build the gap to uh, it was a Haas I think it was Grosjean and then yeah. also the Force India cars had to pass them did so in one and a half laps I think it was they didn't really seem to require too much no, they, they, in fact I think the live radio they had the radio was like now Grosjean's up the road and just as the video of just as the mm. live broadcast was him overtaking yeah, Grosjean yeah. I was just like oh he's there and he's it's it's already done. happened. don't yeah. worry about it oh no it's all over it's already happened yeah. so it was a fantastic race from him and yes arguably driver of the day granted Hamilton didn't have to do too much to stay out front he had a very good drive what himself what on that how hard is it to lead these Formula 1 no, races it can't be that difficult can it no. to drive these cars no. Max Verstappen's a teenager <laughs> is that what they say it's so Mark easy Stroll has actually never driven a car before <laughs> and yet here he is driving a Formula 1 yeah. round He's doing okay. He's Sometimes fine. he's doing okay. Uh, I want to look some other places on the grid. Um, uh, Felipe Massa scored the last point. He had a great start. He qualified not so high, but like he did in uh, Austria, pretty much rocketed off the line and scored some points. The Good kind on of him. thing you expect a however old driver to be able yeah. to do pretty consistently like an octogenarian yeah, he's done just, it a lot just drive off the line man it's not yeah, difficult yeah. <laughs> you've got these kids around you who had 20 yeah, turns yeah. at it you should yeah. be able to do it pretty yeah, well he can do it okay if he continues to do it okay but what it did mean was that Stoffel Van Dorn did not get a point again for the what is this round 10 for the 10th time yes uh, he did qualify in the top 10 was ahead of Massa until the first pit stop looked good to keep that because it, for whatever reason this weekend I suppose with Honda's new spec engine they almost seemed kind of like a match in this weird time where Williams is a bit confused with its car and its upgrade. McLaren Honda had certain tracks like this where there is 
dependency on Aero did okay was robbed of the opportunity to defend against him though because he had a, just a slow stop whilst that's not a strategy in itself I mean the stop is the most crucial part these are, these are things strategy. that if your team is mid-tier and we I mean mm. this is something that Williams is focused really hard Absolutely. on it's yes. like we can't control everything else we're going to have sub two second pit stops yeah. as often as we can mm-hmm. and just take all of that stuff out of it try to be reliable mm-hmm. but the, the things that we can control we'll do our best to do as as possible yes uh, so it's it's almost inexcusable mm-hmm. from Honda to have this kind yeah, of well, error it sort of is yeah especially when I remember Ricardo overtaking Alonso and mm. Alonso was right back on his gearbox almost immediately yes. trying to get back in the slipstream mm. and trying to get back something so it's not like Ricardo just belted off down the road mm-hmm. so there was something in that McLaren Honda this weekend yeah, so yeah. yeah it is disappointing as you said it's not strategy in and of itself but the things you can control you've yeah. got the time to really manage them out of you know manage mm-hmm. the, the, the gremlins out of that ability yeah, but it's sort of a... It's a little bit of an embarrassing mistake from McLaren considering you know, the story for them all year has been it's only Honda the reason we're not doing well. Yeah. They have an option to score a point. Yeah. yeah, I know. I don't know what it's doing there. It's, it's, I think it's just a man in the back running. <laughs> it's the Flintstone car. <laughs> but when they have the opportunity to score a point, it's sort of them themselves that made that error. And like you say, I mean, it's a strength of Williams. They went up against probably the best in pit stops, but it was a four-second advantage that turned into a four-second deficit by the end of the race. They should have been able to score that point for Stoffel. Yeah, and it's... I mean, Stoffel must just be looking around going like, did I get on the wrong program all those years ago? (laughs) Should I have been on the Red Bull program or the Mercedes program? Am I going to be stuck through the McLaren Honda terrible years? Mm -hmm. Honda pulls out, no one really touches Van Dorn. Like, is he... Is he a bit of a Magnussen now? Or Grosjean even. Oh. You know, like, there is... Where does I, I just don't know where Stoffel will go next because he yeah. doesn't have the results mm-hmm. and the consistency in the in the vehicle to actually put in in performances that are challenging in any way. Yeah, you know at least signs. Yeah, and signs and even kind of even. I mean, even Stroll can <laughs> say that he's got a podium. Wow, you know, yeah. like this is. Uh, you, maybe you're better off at Force India right now than you are at McLaren Honda. Well, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because they've been saying the same about Stroll and Van Dorn. Stroll has the advantage of all those tests he's paying for between every race, it sounds like. But they're struggling to adapt, not just to the physicality of these cars, because at the end of the day, you, you have a long pre-season in the gym, all the simulations, yeah. you can do it. Personal but trainers. sorting out the cars and setting up the cars, they're both struggling with, because Formula One cars are pretty much the most complex in all of single seating, if not single seater yeah. racing, if not all of racing, but not slowly getting there in the same rate that I guess Stoffel is kind of getting there. It'd be it'd be a horrible shame if you know, given McLaren Honda's problems, that they didn't have faith in Stoffel when really it's hardly the best environment to be trading up a young driver. No, and I don't know. I mean, Fernando Alonso seems so disillusioned with the sport. Mm-hmm. We don't hear a lot of stories of like. Alonso being super helpful to, to no, Stoffel and Van Dorn and Stoffel Van Dorn being like I'm getting a lot like me and, <laughs> me and Alonso we're, we're down at the track till 10pm every night discussing yeah. strategies and setups just imagine Alonso just walks out and goes yeah. cool see you tomorrow hopefully the car works yeah yeah you post know. like a passive aggressive Instagram post about Honda exactly yeah. Stoffel's there with his, with his pad and his pen yeah, ready yeah. to Ask yeah. Alonso what he thought of the day, and there's mm. nothing of that, you know. And yet we've got Massa telling, you know, saying that well, he's exactly, really being yeah. stroll up and trying his best, and then even Ricardo and Verstappen work a lot together. So mm. you know, there are there are things out there that I would kind of expect and hope from Fernando Alonso, but he's mm-hmm. so disillusioned. I wonder how much he's helping with the setup of the car. Yeah, well, a decision he says should be coming soon about the future engine supply for that team. Who knows what it'll be? 
It'll either be Fernando Alonso or Mercedes or McLaren or Honda, I think. Yeah. It's not going to be both. So <laughs> no, exactly. we'll wait and see how that goes. And I guess an honourable mention, or should it be dishonourable mention? I'm not really sure. Goes to Pascal Verlein and Sauber. Now, in Spain, and yes, there were a lot of crashes in Spain that helped them. They pulled off a one-stop strategy when everyone else was doing two or even three stops from memory uh, to get their first points of the year. And they attempted it again here when it looked like degradation was lower than it actually turned out to be uh, by stopping twice behind the safety car. First onto the medium, which again, no one used at all this race. No, I'm using those on my testing. car this weekend. Yeah, 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 well, you may as well. They look good. The white, the white stripe looks nice <laughs> against the car. Uh, and then switched back to the soft, which he was going to try and get to the end of the race, but he ultimately found couldn't be done. But it is nice to know, at least even if we've got these conservative tyres, which don't necessarily give us all the action at the front, that it, there is still room for those sort of out-of-the-blue strategies. Even if it didn't work this, this week, it does show that giving something a go, especially if you're a backmarker like Sauber, which, let's be honest, doesn't really have anything to lose, yeah. could have paid off big time for Pascal. Yeah. And they're really... These are not so much career-defining moments, but they're really mm. big learning weekends for the, yeah. for the drivers. You know, the Furlines... Like, we, this, Bottas used to have this happen to him all the time, is that he mm. would sit, you know, he would you know, he'd have to try and nurse tyres through the end of the race, um, or, you know, be, you want to be the first people out on inters in yeah, wet yes. races. You know, yes. these are the sacrifices you need to make mm-hmm. to try and make these races work, but also to get that experience. You mm-hmm. know, this is he's going to walk away from this weekend going, like, I know how this car performs when it starts getting pretty bad out there on yeah, these yeah. tyres. So, you know, it's, it, I think it's good for both the team and him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about information gathering at the end because that's, that's what's right. going to get them probably and, their next points. Well, yeah, anything that any time they finish mm-hmm. is another you know sixty yeah. laps that they'll be able to bank and say like that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's what Honda <laughs> keeps saying. But <laughs> another retirement for Fernando Alonso. That's not strategy. Oh, just, we stopped tweeting about it. It happens. So yeah, often. it's so often that we've it's stopped talking good. about it on yeah. the show. There's no more like Honda update at the end because you know what happened. No, I think it's up to. Grid place penalty 150, perhaps? Yeah, even Ricardo weekend. made a joke about it in yes. an interview. He was like, he's starting at 10.15. Yeah. <laughs> yes. well, Everyone think, gets, everyone's getting Every time you're shot, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, I mean, Palmer must just feel the same. You know, oh. out on the, you know, on the, the, um, the, the, set up lap what's it called mm, formation you know, lap formation lap that's yeah. what I was looking for it's totally left my yeah. mind I was going to say the parade lap yeah, not yeah. really uh, well for him <laughs> I guess it was he had to walk back right you got to wait for everybody what if the truck they all stand on's ever broken down on the on the parade know. lap you would know? they have a backup one I just like the rushes out they're like quick jump on maybe the JCB cranes just pull it <laughs> along for a 10 minute lap yeah. around the circuit but no I mean Palmer again it's yeah. just uh, he's what do you reckon? Strategy for Renault overall well, as a you know, team. I, I'm happy to take this digression because it's something I'm very passionate about, Jolly and Palmer's future in Formula 1. Because you're a big is, fan. Well, yes, and, well, naturally. No, look, my strategy is you can't score fewer than zero points, which is Palmer's current tally, alas. I see no reason why, pending the post-Hungary test, there's a two-day in-season test Hungary, if they put... Robert Kubica in that test and he performs well he should be in there for the rest of the season because rather than say put him in for a whole season then find out that he's just lacking that 1% due to his injury or just due to being out of the sport you have half a season to say whether or not the comeback is a success you lose nothing either way you get the great news story if it's not a success at the end you can say we gave him a go we both discovered that it's not quite there for him at this stage. You and he's choosing to retire. Exactly. We're not cutting him out. He's yeah. choosing you to leave. You pick someone up next year. What's, what, there's nothing to lose, as far as I'm concerned. He can't score fewer points than Jolie. No, but point. maybe the opportun- it's the size of the opportunity and the mm-hmm. opportunity cost. So here is, as far as strategically for the long term of the team, mm-hmm. are you better off taking... Uh, 
Pierre Gasly, I mean, uh, you know, someone, someone like this, yeah. you know, uh, maybe under an engine, agree- engine agreement mm-hmm. with Red Bull, sure. getting someone in for relatively cheaply, who mm-hmm. could be at the team for three, four, five years. Sure. Uh, just as maybe they're on an uptick as well. Because mm, Kubica's like not going to be... Like a Carlos yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Hockenberg... Uh, He's probably the long-term bet right now mm-hmm. for Renault, but they'd love to have a French driver in there. For Surely. sure, why wouldn't you? So yeah, yeah. there's the op- I think there's, it's it's just t- picking between who's going to be the most opportune mm-hmm. for Red Bull for, for Renault at this point yeah. because Palmer offers them nothing. He just no. he, is he cheap? I don't know. <laughs> like like what is he what is he giving Renault right now? Because mm-hmm. even when the car's there, it's not worth anything. Well, that's what they say. I mean, in situations like Monaco, where Hülkenberg had the engine problem, I think it was, or in any case couldn't finish the race, you should expect your second car. It's the whole purpose of having a second car to back it up and score the points you couldn't have. But he wasn't there to score those points, and he hasn't scored any points. And I think it's instructive that... I'm not sure exactly what the position is, but if you doubled Hülkenberg's points, essentially, so assume the second driver was scoring the same as he was, they'd be much higher in the championship, I think right behind Force India, whereas now they're competing with Haas towards the back of the the constructors' title standings. And look, Hülkenberg is not renowned as being that, like, just that top shelf driver. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's well. He's Le Mans champion. Yes, um, but that's important. Um, yeah. And look, he's getting a lot out of this mm-hmm. car that we don't expect him to. But he gets first dibs on the parts every time, and he's yeah, getting yeah. preferred strategy. And but he's an he's an immaculate mm-hmm. driver. But it's not like they've got a Max Verstappen sitting in that team who just yeah, needs yeah. a leg up, and he, mm-hmm. then he'll be world champion. I don't think that's on the cards for Nico Hulkenberg, probably mm-hmm. for the rest of his career, unless he landed the Ferrari drive or maybe a, a Mercedes yeah. drive when mm-hmm. when uh, Hamilton retires. Maybe will he ever retire? Who knows? <laughs> um, uh, so uh, yeah, from the long term standpoint for Renault, I just uh, they're they're totally up in the air. Mm-hmm. Just as I said, just as I maybe so. they're they're finding some performance. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that this can be the long-term strategy, this current driver lineup. No, well, the interesting thing is that, I mean, at the moment they are a midfield team, and obviously the last couple of years they've been a midfield team, but they are a constructor. They yeah. have, uh, you know, designs to be competing for the championship in the near-term future. I mean, next year I think their target should be podiums from yeah. memory. They've got Especially as they're not getting name credit on the Red Bull car. Oh, yeah, you know, exactly so right. basically, other than the money they're being paid, it's not yeah, really yeah. worth anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so where they go with that will be interesting to see. But that's some sizzle for next week's episode when we might know who's going to be in that test. Will it be Kubica? Will it be one of the drivers they've got in I feel sorry for year? the young drivers. If it's Kubica, I'd be like... I understand that point of view. But it's such a good story. Like, that guy... But doesn't had... this seem like... That seems... That story, the Kubica getting back mm. in that car, seems like... CVC... Yeah, it seems old Formula One. I suppose Liberty Media is new Formula One. They want and the if young. If they kids. had their druthers, they'd be like, put the put the F two stars mm. in, put the kids oh, in. Yeah. Gasly's the reigning F F two or GP two champion, but he's not yeah. in Formula One. Which doesn't seem to have a road to it either. Is yeah, yeah. But I mean, well, maybe after this weekend with the Red Bulls crashing, Kimi uh, won't be at the team. Well, who's Who to knows? say? Yeah, and it's all to play for. They've really. dropped it's it. To, they've dropped the driver mid season before, right? Maybe oh. we'll have two fresh drivers yeah, on the well. grid by the end of the year. <laughs> It'll all be interesting. We'll wait, we'll wait and see. I can't wait till the mid season break all of a sudden and <laughs> see what happens. That was the British Grand Prix. An interesting British Grand Prix. Another good race for Formula One. It's been good to wrap it up with you, Zach. It's been fantastic to be here. That was the strategy report for the 2017 British Grand Prix. 
But if you want to read more about the strategy from this week's race, go to f1strategyreport.com for all the pit stop stats, tyre data and Jack Leslie's write-up of all the action from Silverstone. The strategy report is powered by the 2017 edition of Apex Race Manager, the number one new racing game in Germany, Italy and Australia. You can download Apex Race Manager for free for iOS and Android devices. My name's Michael Laminato. You can find me at Michael Laminato on Twitter and I'll catch you in two weeks' time for a look back at the Hungarian Grand Prix.